Hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. Well, I think we're on again for tonight. All right, let me begin with tonight. Now, I hesitated in doing this because of the subject, because it is sacred. It's very important to me. I don't want to have haters. I don't want to make light of it. And I don't want to show in any measure disrespect. But the quest of this boy's life is to know the Savior better, to take his name upon me and be more obedient to his commandments, to try and always remember him. I really want to live with him someday. Everything I want in life and in eternity is his. He has it. He's the key to it. Therefore, studying Christ in the JST is one more way for those of you who love the Savior to come to know him better. So with that, let me begin. I know you don't have a JST with you, and I'm going to use my beat-up copy here of the New Testament. It was done by Stephen and Julie Height, and it's a combination of chronology, Joseph Smith translation, and various other things. I'm going to use this. You could just as well use your new edition of the Scriptures and work just fine. I'm going to begin in uh, Luke chapter 2 on page 17. Now, this is a story that I think most of you are already familiar with. You recall that when the Savior was 12 years of age, he traveled with his parents down from Galilee on the north, probably down the Jordan Valley, all the way to Jericho, and then took the road up from Jericho into Jerusalem, where they attended the Feast of the Passover. They would have spent, what, a week, maybe a little longer there, and then they would have left Jerusalem, probably caravaned back the same way, don't know, they could have gone through Samaria, or back down into the Jordan Valley. Either way, they had gone a day's journey out. And when they went looking for the 12-year-old lad, he was nowhere to be found. So they journeyed back to Jerusalem again. And if you recall, the scripture says, and it came to pass after three days, they found him in the midst of the temple. Now, can you imagine? And I just delight in thinking about this, Joseph and Mary's reaction. I guess I'm a sadistic sort. But Joseph and Mary's reaction when they discovered him gone, and after one day, two days, possibly three more days, they couldn't find him? Oh, dear. We've lost the Son of God. But they finally found him in the temple. Now, listen to this. This is the KJV, or the King James Version. I'll read it. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors and the lawyers. That's not doctors of medicine. That's doctors of the law. Both hearing them and asking them questions. That's the regular Bible. Listen to the JST. Came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, and they were hearing him and asking him questions. Now, 
that's evidence enough right there that by the age of 12, Jesus was sufficiently wise and intelligent, more so than anyone else in Judea. He could have governed the kingdom of the Jews already, but he lacked the physical power, the strength necessary to enforce his commands. He had to mature just like everyone else. The fact that this change was made in the Bible matches the next verse, because the next verse says, and this is just the regular King James, it says, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, changes in verse 46 made by the prophet Joseph Smith match the context and reveal, even at the age of 12, a much greater Christ. Now, you know the rest of the story. Parents say to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And Jesus answered them and said, Why is it? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And the beautiful part of that story is that it says, He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And then the JST adds, and his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. I love that. Even at the age of 12, he was wiser than all the kingdom of the Jews. Indeed, he was probably the first son in history that really was indeed smarter than his parents. And yet, he was subject unto them. Second story, Matthew chapter 2, verse 23. Now, It picks up right where I left off in the chronology. Jesus went down to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Now, the Joseph Smith translation adds this in Matthew 2.23. This is all JST. And it came to pass that Jesus grew up with his brethren and waxed strong and waited upon the Lord for the time of his ministry to come. Now, listen to this. And he served under his father, and spake not as other men. Neither could he be taught, for he needed not that any man should teach him. And after many years, the hour of his ministry drew nigh. Oh, my word. Just in that one verse, it is so loaded with meaning about the Savior's mortal existence. He grew up in a family like everyone else. Perhaps he was the oldest brother in the family. Don't know for sure. But he waxed strong. He matured just like everybody else. And all the while he was growing up. And consider this. From the age of 12, knowing who he was and what he was born to do, to the age of 30, when his ministry began, when it says, after many years, the hour of his ministry drew nigh. That surely would have been a test of patience. Father, let's get on with it. No, you got to wait a little longer. And he served under his father. We've always assumed that just meant carpentry. But I wonder if it meant more than that. Who knows? Anyway, again, a greater and more powerful Christ, even at a tender age. Now, I made reference to this one when I talked about the JST the other day. 
And again, this is one of a couple of them that I'll point out tonight that just, they touch my heart. This is after the Savior's ministry has begun. It's John chapter 2. The disciples return to Cana of Galilee for a wedding, and Jesus and his brethren are invited to the wedding. And it says, Jesus, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And according to the King James Version, it reads, Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. As I mentioned to you before, I don't care who you are. I'm not sure that you should speak to your dear mother that way. What have I to do with you? No, that's not the Savior. In the Joseph Smith translation, it reads like this. And when they wanted wine, his mother said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what wilt thou have me to do for thee? That will I do, for mine hour is not yet come. His mother then turned to the servants and said, Whatever he saith unto you, JST says, See that ye do it. She had such faith and confidence in him. And you know the rest of the story. Not only had he spoken with the tenderest of respect, Mother, your wish is my command. Mine hour is not yet come. I will do for you anything. That's how I see the master. That's how I envision him treating his mother with that great respect. She turned to the servants with that implicit confidence in him. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And you know the servants filled up six water pots with, of stone with water. And Jesus said, serve now to the governor of the feast. And they pulled it out and served it to the governor. And it was the best wine. And John says, this was the first miracle of Jesus's ministry. Incidentally, each time Jesus encounters his mother from this point forward, the regular Bible seems almost, with one exception, to have him treating her with disregard or with callous disrespect. But in each instance, the Joseph Smith translation changes it. One instance coming up later on in the book, Jesus is teaching in a house and it's thronged with people. And his mother and his brothers come and want to see him, but they can't get in. So someone delivers a message and says, Thy mother and thy brethren seek for thee. And Jesus turns and says, In effect, these are my mother. These are my brethren. This is my family now. In other words, I can't tend matters of family business now. I am on my father's errand. And that's where it drops it. And that seems callous enough. But the JST in Matthew adds this detail. And he gave them charge concerning her. I can't be there, but go see what she needs. Meet her needs and take care of her. He had said to her, mine hour is not yet come. His hour was the hour of atonement. Of, of sacrifice and redemption. And even in that hour, when he hangs upon the cross, when his hour 
has come. And supposedly he had no time for anything else. Still, he looked down to the foot of the cross where his mother was and looked to John and says, Behold thy mother. And to his mother he says, Woman, behold thy son. And he committed her care to John. Always. That the JST makes the Christ more perfect in regards to how he treated his mother. I'm seeing a number of you talking about the free stories. If you have questions or something isn't coming through the way it should, write to support at glenrossonstories.com. I want all of you to be receiving those free stories. And if you're not, we need to fix that straight away. The next one is in Mark chapter 7. This story really causes people heartburn because Jesus had left the borders of Israel and gone north up into the land of Tyre and Sidon along the Mediterranean coast. And the scripture says that as he did, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast or came out of the countryside, recognized him and began to follow him. Her daughter had an unclean spirit. She was possessed of an evil spirit. And Mark points out the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation and a Canaanite by birth. In other words, she didn't have one drop of the blood of Israel flowing in her veins. She was exactly the kind of person that Jesus was not sent to minister to. And so she came beseeching him that he would cast the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus ignored her. He completely ignored her. And she continued crying after them, Lord, my daughter, Lord, help me. And he continued to ignore her. Now, it's a little unclear what happens and how it works out, but it would appear that they arrive at their destination and the woman is still there and the disciples say, Lord, give her what she wants and send her away. She's bothering us. She's bugging us. Get rid of her. And Jesus says to the 12, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If you didn't know him, you could just see him looking at her, pleading, begging, probably weeping for her daughter, exercising great faith in him. And if you didn't know him, you could just see him shrug his shoulders, raise his nose and turn away and go on into the house. That's how it appears. The woman follows him in. And she says again, Lord, my daughter. And Jesus answers and says unto her, it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. What? He just called her a dog? That would seem so offensive. But the woman does not take offense. She responds by saying, Yes, Lord. And the JST said, Thou sayest truly, it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it unto dogs. You are sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yea, Lord, thou sayest truly. Then she says, Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. In other words, this woman is quick. She says, that's right, Lord. You are sent to the children of Israel. 
And it is not meat to take the children's the bread of life that's meant for the children and throw it to the dogs. Translation of dogs in the Greek is little dogs, pet dogs that abide in the house. But she says, Lord, if the children of the kingdom don't want the bread, the little dogs do. And the woman, Jesus then said, oh, woman, that isn't a term of derision. Hey, woman, get me a sandwich. It's a title of respect. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee according even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that hour. He also said that her faith had healed her daughter. That whole exchange makes Jesus look, again, rather blunt, somewhat insensitive and calloused. But the Joseph Smith translation adds this point. From thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. This is the regular King James Version. And entered into an house. Now the King James Version says, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. In other words, he went out of the country and hid in a house and tried to hide and didn't want anybody to know it. JST says this. Entered into an house and would that no man should come unto him, but he could not deny them, for he had compassion upon all men. And thus he healed the Gentile woman's daughter. My dear friends, that's the Savior I know, the one who has compassion upon all men, not one who is cold and callous and makes you beg. Next story. I go forward to John chapter 8. Now, there's a lot in the JST, the Savior's teachings added to by the Joseph Smith translation. So many little events, things that are taken out. There's a lot more to the JST than just what I'm talking about with you tonight. But what I'm focusing on is just what the JST, just that much, reveals about the Lord Jesus Christ that is not known Otherwise, in John chapter 8, Jesus had returned to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles, a rather dramatic entrance into the scene in John chapter 7. And he'd had a confrontation with the Jews, and it had gotten rather heated and rather ugly. And at the close of the day, Jesus went out and spent the night, presumably, at the Mount of Olives. Now, in John chapter 8, and you know this story, In John chapter 8, this is all the King James Version, Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he's there probably at the court of the women, and he is teaching the people as they gather. Suddenly there's a commotion, and they bring in, the scribes and Pharisees bring in a woman, and they set her in the midst of the people. They set her right down. In the middle of all the people, the point of highest embarrassment and shame, and then they announce, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. What was the grounds for accusation? If he said, stone her? He would be contravening Roman law 
and the Romans governed the Jews. And they would not look kindly on a Jew speaking against Roman law. If he said, let her go, free her, don't carry out the sentence, he would be disagreeing with Moses. And that was tantamount to being stoned. Rather than answer, the scripture says that he stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. When they continued asking him, in other words, they pressed him, wanting an answer, he raised himself up and said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Meaning, the construction of this in the original language is, He that is without that sin, the sin of adultery among you, go ahead and throw a rock at her if you're not guilty of the same sin. And then he stooped down and once again began writing on the ground. Now, this next verse is, again, this is just the King James Version, not the JST. This next verse is one of the great puzzles of the scriptures, because it says, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, he had already fired the dart that pierced their conscience. Their conscience began to be tender. And then he stooped down and went back to writing on the ground. The fact that they went out one by one in order from the oldest to the youngest, why? Why would they do that? And there is an answer. In this kind of a setting, it's a theory. I can't tell you. You'll have to come with me to Israel to find out, and I'll tell you on the Temple Mount. But suffice it to say, the JST says, Woman, Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst of the temple. Jesus raised him up himself and saw none of her accusers. This is all JST. Saw none of her accusers and the woman standing. And then he says the phrase we're all familiar with, woman. Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And then the Joseph Smith translation adds this beautiful, beautiful three lines. And the woman, meaning the adulterous woman, glorified God from that hour and believed on his name. She was converted. I love that. There are so many times in my life where I have felt as convicted by my sins and as embarrassed and ashamed as this woman put on display on the Temple Mount. And yet, time and time again, God Almighty has reached down and swept my guilt away, squared my shoulders, straightened me up, and sent me on my way rejoicing. He is filled with mercy and compassion. And as John said, we love him because he first loved us. And this is a classic case. She was converted by his love and his mercy. I know this isn't church history, but yes, it is. This is the Joseph Smith translation. Where would the prophet? I haven't even talked about the element of how could Joseph know that? 
How could Joseph have figured this out? How could he have had a perfect vision of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and change one of the books to bring all four of them into perfect harmony? Do you know how hard it is to memorize the harmonies of the New Testament and keep all of them straight? After 40 years, I still have to study all four accounts on a story because I can't remember what Matthew said about it or what insight Mark added. And yet somehow, Joseph again and again and again brought those gospels into a greater harmony than they ever were before. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.